The Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition, is sponsored by worldjewishtravel.org, the number one platform for planning your Jewish cultural trips. From the latest on Caribbean cruises to kosher safaris, pilgrimages to Jewish Eastern Europe and award-winning wines and international cuisine in sun-drenched Tel Aviv. Sit back and enjoy the trip with the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast. Mark. David. I think we're frauds. I know we are. <laughs> I'm not getting to your business affairs. Oh. You know how in the intro, and we got rid of that guy with the deep American voice and now people are listening to me again, but in that little spiel that we do with the music playing in the background, we talk about Caribbean cruises. Oh, I would love to go on a Caribbean cruise. But it makes it sound like we've actually been to the Caribbean. So let's do a quick quiz. Mark, have you ever been to the Caribbean? Um, it's a 50-50 answer here, but I'm <laughs> going to go with no. David. Yes, Mark. Have you ever been to the Caribbean? Uh, absolutely not, despite the desires. Do you know what we should do? Go to the Caribbean. This episode has been sponsored by Sesame Street. And brought to you by the letter C for Caribbean. But not just Caribbean. <laughs> also, Cuba. Ooh, what else can we think of? How about Curacao? But not blue Curacao, because we know at least one person who's allergic to it. I had a very nice Curacao Cosmopolitan last time I was cruising. Isn't that a magazine? Oh, Cosmopolitan. I was trying to think of a magazine called <laughs> Curacao. Curacao. Uh, so, yeah, that's where we're going to be heading in today's pod. We're going for a bit of uh, sunshine, calypso. Well, actually, I don't know if there is calypso. Yeah, these are more sort of Latin-y countries, yeah, aren't so, they? Yeah, so we've got salsa. Yeah, um, Curacao is just a handful of miles away from Venezuela. So it's almost South America. Absolutely. Why don't we ask a couple of quiz questions and then get on with the show? Certainly. I'll, I'll start. Okay. If you take some rum from Havana, some Coca-Cola, and a dash of lime, which cocktail have you created? And question number two. Curacao became a major trading centre for Dutch colonialists in the second half of the 17th century. What was the name of the company that ran the country's interests on the island? The answers at the end of the pod. Ever wish there was a Jewish trip advisor? Visit worldjewishtravel.org for a one-stop shop to plan your Jewish cultural vacation at destinations around the world. Find local tours and guides, discover authentic restaurants and boutique hotels, all with a Jewish story to tell. Don't miss events with our unique cultural calendar, or simply absorb a city's Jewish story with our blogs and travel ebooks. Start your journey at worldjewishtravel.org. Should we do this alphabetically? I think that's a very good idea because, well, let people decide if they want Cuba or Curacao or both. I just want the cocktail. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Let, let's let's start with, let's see, C-U. They're both C-U, C-U-B, Cuba. Okay, as opposed to H for Havana. Ah, good point. What's the capital of Curacao, Clever Clocks? I don't have a clue. I think, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. Google it, I, Google it. I think it's Williamstead. I think, Ooh, I think. That doesn't even sound remotely Caribbean. But it does sound Dutch. Oh, okay. Maybe it's Williamstad. Yeah, yeah, Williamstad, something like that. 
So, well, excuse me. You're actually correcting me when I might have got something right. Or and I don't even know the answer. Exactly, but, but you're still correcting me. That's very bad. We did a lot of that on my recent trip, and I didn't score very highly. <laughs> That's Curacao, which we'll get to in a few minutes. So, who are we going to talk to to find out a bit more about Cuba, both generally and Jewish Cuba? Did you know there's a kosher hotel in Cuba? B&B place, absolutely. I found that out because of the next guest. It's got a very Cuban name. <laughs> We're speaking to Cindy White from Chateau Blanc. We'll let her explain a little bit about herself and then we'll get into a conversation about Cuba. I'm Cindy Berenthal White and I am owner of the first and only kosher B&B in Cuba. I have this vision of Cuba from one or two programs that I watched. There was one called Alvida Zane Pet which was about uh, British builders working out in Cuba to reconstruct the embassy. And Cuba was all classic cars, music, cigars. It looked like a throwback to the, the 1960s. Does Cuba still look like that, especially Havana, or has it changed in recent years? No, it looks exactly like that. Just as, as you've seen on the movies and on TV, the old cars and the cigars and the rum and... Cubans are fun, wonderful people, so it's very alive. What are the, the general must-sees if, if we do go to Cuba? What, what are the top three or four things that you would put on every list? Well, Havana. There's a lot to see in Havana. Then I would go to the beaches in Baradero. It's one of the most beautiful places for white sand beaches. And then I would definitely go to the mountains in Viñales because there you can see tobacco plantation and a coffee plantation and see how the famous cigars and Cuban coffee are grown. Tell us a bit more about Havana. So you, you've given us the idea of the cars and the music, but but what is there to see? Are there museums? You know, get, Try to draw a picture for us, please. There's just so much to do. There's music a- everywhere you go. You know, there's good salsa music and jazz. Jazz is big in Cuba. And you'll see people sitting around the parks playing dominoes everywhere. And of course, the cars. You could take a ride in the car and see the whole city. There's a famous seawall called El Malacón. And that's where everybody hangs out. It's just a wonderful, fun place. The food is amazing. The music is amazing. It's just a cool place that... I think everybody should see. When David and I travel and we go to countries that used to be part of the the Soviet bloc or former communist countries, we find everything very, very cheap. Is that the same in Cuba, that your your dollar, your shekel will go a lot further? It is. It is. Food is very cheap. The most expensive thing is transportation because the government owns all the transportation. Let's go Jewish for a bit. I read that it could be that the earliest Jewish people to arrive in Cuba came with Columbus in 1492. Can you shed some light on that? Yes, they absolutely did. So it was during the Inquisition where the Jews were given the option of either converting or pretty much going to jail. So in order to find people to go with Columbus on this strange, you know, unknown journey, they asked the people in the jails, you want to stay here or do you want to take this adventure with us? And so a lot of the Jewish people decided that instead of sitting there in jail, that they would go with Columbus. In the intervening years, obviously, there's been a growth of a Jewish community. What is there that one can see today 
of that history? Before the revolution, so pre-1960, there was about 15,000 Jews in Cuba. These days, it's less than 1,500. But there are still three working synagogues. There's an Orthodox, a conservative, and a Sephardic synagogue. The Sephardic synagogue has a part of it that is a Holocaust memorial that was actually produced by Steven Spielberg. Are those synagogues new? Are they old? Do they date back hundreds of years? They are old, and they they probably go back to the 1920s and 30s when the first migration came of the Jewish people from Europe. Tell us about the food scene in Cuba, what, what people can eat when they're out there. I might be biased, but I think Cuban food is one of the most delicious out there. Cuba actually has a big emerging food scene. So about the end of 2014, the government allowed their citizens to open their own restaurants. Most of them started from out of their homes. The tourists could go and sit in someone's home and have lunch, dinner, and they eat a lot of chicken. I don't know if you know much about the Cuban food, but there are certain dishes, right? Arroz con pollo, chicken and rice, a lot of beans, rice and beans. It's just very, very flavorful food. Are there any kosher restaurants in Havana or in Cuba? Well, back in, in, you know, in the 40s and 50s, there were quite a few kosher restaurants. These days, the only place to get kosher food is at our B&B. So we do have kosher kitchens and we do welcome anybody who wants kosher meals. Now it's the chance to tell us a little bit about your B&B. So where is it? What do you offer? The reason why we we opened the B&B was because the kosher population was not easily able to come to Cuba and, you know, eat the food there. They would have to bring their own. That's why we decided to open that up for the people to come and have kosher. We have been open since 20, about 14 2015, and we are in a suburb of Havana. We're 10 minutes away from the the heart of Havana in a um, town called Nuevo Vedado. Are you near a synagogue or not? Not far. Is it walking for religious folks? It would be quite a walk. So for the religious folks who stay with us over Shabbat, um, we do have homes near the synagogues for them to spend the weekend there. If anybody wants to get hold of you or find out more details about the island and Jewish Cuba, how can they do so? We can go to our website, chateau-cuba.com, or you can email me directly at cindy at chateau-cuba.com. Cindy White, owner-operator of Chateau Blanc. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. Cuba Fact File. Travelling to Cuba, contrary to what many people think, is perfectly legal. Flying from Israel, Europe or North America requires a special visa you can get from your travel agent or straight from the airline. To get to Cuba, you fly a very short 40 minutes through Miami with American or JetBlue and Southwest from Fort Lauderdale. The best way to get to any destination is by taxi. There are colourful classic cars everywhere used as taxis. Public transportation is not recommended. It is very unreliable and sometimes doesn't show up at all. The exchange rate of Cuba is the peso. Right now, $1 will get you 25 Cuban pesos. 
There are many amazing well-known restaurants in Havana, such as El Cochinero, La Guardia, and of course, Bodeguita del Medio, famous for being one of Ernest Hemingway's favorite places. Speaking of Hemingway, you can tour his home in Cuba and see everything exactly the way he left it. This is where he wrote The Old Man and the Sea and For Whom the Bell Tolls. For entertainment, you can listen to music from the Buena Vista Social Club, see a show at the world-famous Tropicana Cabaret Show, and FAC Fabrica d'Art, a place named by Time magazine a few years ago as one of the top 100 places to see. It's a nighttime destination with art installations, film, live music and dance. And now, the latest travel news. With Soccer's World Cup taking place in the Middle Eastern country Qatar in November, Jerusalem and Doha have reached agreement to allow flights over Israeli airspace. This despite the lack of official relations between the countries. They're also negotiating direct Israel to Qatar flights during the competition and the provision of kosher food for visiting fans. Israel will pump $80 million into tourism infrastructure as part of a bid to bring in 10 million annual tourists by 2030. Projects include new cycle paths, wine tourism and tourism in the ultra-Orthodox sector. There are so many visitors to Italy's Amalfi Coast, the authorities have decided to impose an alternate number plate system. That means vehicles can only access the 22-mile stretch southwest of Naples every other day at peak times of the year. Delta have launched a new non-stop flight from Boston to Tel Aviv. It operates three times a week on Sunday, Tuesday and Thursday. The return flights are on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. The Israel Tourism Ministry selected three villages to compete for inclusion in the United Nations World Tourism Organization's Best Tourism Villages for 2022. They are the Circassian village Kafarkana in Lower Galilee, the creative and environmentally friendly Neots Madar in the southern Negev and Tsipori, home to the Tsipori National Park in the Galilee. The objective of the competition is to promote and enhance the role of tourism in safeguarding rural villages. The winning tourism villages will be announced in October. This is Mark Gordon from the Jerusalem Post podcast Travel Edition. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at MarkDavidPod or mail us at MarkDavidPod at gmail.com. I tell you, it's Willemstadt. Isn't that what I said in the first place? I don't remember. Uh, it's such a long time ago. What we're doing now is heading to Curacao, and we're going to do that in the company of Jewish historian Ron Gomez Caceres. I was born in Curacao and I live in Curacao. I am one of the leaders of our Sephardic Mikveh Israel community in Curacao. My ancestors grew up in Curacao. My father was actually born in Cuba. His father who was Curacao and went to Cuba during the period of the sugar boom in Cuba, had a small plantation, didn't go well when the depression started and they came back to Curacao. So my father was born in Cuba when he was nine, he came to Curacao and this is where he built his life up. My wife's American, we met each other while we were both in college. 
my three children were all three were born in Curacao. So were Curacao and all the way. I think people can probably find Cuba on a map, but maybe fewer can find Curacao on a map. So where are you? Well, if you can find Cuba, look down about 500 miles <laughs> towards South America. We're about 450 to 500 miles south of Puerto Rico, south of uh, the Dominican Republic or Haiti, uh, and we are right off the coast of Venezuela. We are a, a Dutch island. We have been Dutch since 1634, when the Dutch conquered Curaçao from the Spanish. Uh, the Spanish uh, discovered, between quotation marks, uh, Curacao in 1499. They thought Curacao was not very useful to them. Uh, in fact, they referred to Curacao as Isla Inutil, a useless island. And the Dutch felt in 1634 that actually the harbor of Curacao, the port of Curacao, was actually an excellent way, place to be hiding their pirate ships as well as other ships because the, the port has a very narrow entrance and then a large opening in the back of, of the bay. We have been Dutch ever since. We are part of the Dutch kingdom, where we're in a, a, what's called an autonomous part of the Dutch kingdom. We vote for our own parliament. Our parliament votes for its government. We have our own tax structure. We have our own educational uh, system and, and, and you name it. Where Holland comes in is with everything that has to do with foreign affairs. When you see a Dutch embassy, it's actually an embassy of the kingdom of the Netherlands that we are part of. And Holland also helps us, it should be said, at difficult times, particularly if those have to do with finance. Is Spanish the main language? Is Dutch the main language? And the, the capital's name, presumably, is very Dutch. The capital's name is Willemstad, city of Willem. And Willem, of course, a favourite name of princes and kings in Holland, including our current king, which is King Willem Alexander. The most common language is actually none of the above. Uh, the most common language here is called Papiamento. Papiamento is actually a language that goes back to Western Africa, to slaves that came to Curaçao, and to Sephardic Jews. And Sephardic Jews, because they were Portuguese, could communicate better with slaves. And uh, Papiamento has probably 20 to 30 percent uh, of the language. Uh, actually, one way or the other, goes back to relationships between the African Curaçao population and the Sephardic population. And there are words and expressions that you would recognize in Hebrew even because they come from the Sephardic population. So just give one example. Somebody will say, that's, that's a real Megillah. And it means that's a real long story. Tell us a little bit about the island, where the people originally came from, how the island built itself up. Over 75% of the island is actually African Curaçaoan, and I'll go back to that in a second. There is a, a, a relatively large group of probably 10 to 15 that are of Dutch origin. So you, you find family names that are actually Dutch names, but that actually go back. You find the Young. The Young uh, is actually a very Dutch name. My aunt and my grandmother, uh, my mother's aunt and my grandmother are actually the Youngs. And they were born in St. Thomas of all places. Our Jewish population is very small, probably not more than about 250 souls at this point in time. Dutch is widely spoken, English is widely spoken, Spanish is widely spoken. It's a very cosmopolitan island. You mentioned there was around 250 Jewish people on the island today. Can you tell us where they came from predominantly and, and their history on the island? Our congregation, and, and when I say our, I'm talking about 
the Sephardic, or I should say the originally Sephardic congregation, Mikveh Israel. Today it's called Mikveh Israel Emmanuel. About 50% of the roughly 150 Jews that are part of our congregation, when I say, because that includes little children also. So about 50% actually have a fully Sephardic origin. So they actually came from Spain, or Portugal and Spain, and almost in every case through Holland. The other 50% in our congregation is Ashkenazi, and it is people that were converted here, converted somewhere else. We are a liberal congregation. So Mikvesi today is a liberal congregation. The other congregation on the island is an Orthodox congregation. Uh, it's called Sharet Sedek. It has a beautiful, very modern uh, shul. It is mainly its members have come from Eastern Europe, starting in the 1920s and 30s, seeing what was happening in Germany and Poland and Romania. And of course, during the war years and immediately after the war years. They do have also a number of Sephardic members, mostly northern Sephardic, Morocco, Syria, Iran, uh, people that have come to Curacao that, that are their members because they're Orthodox. Your synagogue, I believe, is famed the world over. It's the oldest in the Western Hemisphere, and everybody talks about the sand on the floor. Tell us a little bit about it. It's the oldest in continuous function in the Western Hemisphere. And I say that because there are remains of, uh, of older synagogues in Suriname uh, and a little bit in Recife in Brazil also, but it's the oldest in continuous use. This particular one was built in 1732 uh, and is still the same building inside and out. It is actually the sixth house of worship of the Curacao Jewish community. The first Jews that landed here uh, as a group were in 1651. There were 1,750 Jews in Curacao. Now, 1,750 around 1745, 1750 uh, is actually more Jews than in all of North America put together. And that tells you a little bit about how important and how large this community was. Inside the synagogue, there's sand. And I can tell you again, uh, stories about many reasons why there is sand. Some people will say that's to remember that the hidden conversos in Spain and Portugal would do their services in their basements and there was dirt on the ground. So they wanted to remember that. Others say that it's to remember 40 years that we wandered through the desert. Others would say that it actually makes cleaning candle drippings easier when you have something. There's a beautiful biblical one to say that actually represents what God said to Abraham, that he will multiply Abraham's uh, seeds as the kernels on, on, this, on the shore. I think personally, it is all very nice, romantic, sentimental, biblical stories. What is, uh, I think, the fact, and you can actually find this also on the uh, website of the Dutch synagogue, that in the 17th century in Holland, wooden floors were always covered with a thin sand layer. And the reason was, was so that when you walk in with dirty shoes, the sand takes the dirt away from your shoes and you don't dirty up a, a floor that later on has to be clean. There's five synagogues that have of have had sand in their floor. The Sephardic Synagogue in Holland still does. Ours still does. The St. Thomas Synagogue still does. Jamaica still does. Uh, and Suriname used to have. Those five all have something in common, and that's Dutch Sephardic history. So that makes a lot more sense than all these other stories that don't make too much sense. Is it possible to get kosher food in Curacao? Is there a kosher restaurant? No. The answer to that is no. It is not easy. Uh, there are no kosher restaurants. Uh, people that follow kashrut uh, usually import their own food 
or are vegetarian or are stick only to, to fish. You will get vegetarian restaurants and fish just about in every restaurant at Curacao, a decent one for sure. And no wonder I might have came with a frying pan to be able to cook his own food. I don't want to use as an example. But I know people that actually come in with paper uh, plates. I know others that uh, I was with one one day that said to the waiter, I want you to bring my food in aluminum foil. There are solutions uh, for those that are color kosher, but uh, there is no kosher restaurants, no. People want to know more, maybe about looking at the synagogue, finding out more. What's the best way for them to do so? The websites, Curacao Jews, attached to each other, not the words, .org, curacaojews.org. That website will actually take you to a website of the synagogue specifically that includes uh, details about services and details about the building itself and so on. It tells you about both cemeteries. The other way, if you want to just be a tourist, is the Curacao Tourist Bureau has a website, which is curacao.com, will tell you all the details you want to know about hotels, about restaurants, about tours you want to take and what have you. Ron, it's been fascinating to spend time with you. I look forward one day to actually coming to Curacao. Ron Gomez Caceres, thank you very much. Thank you for talking and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys here. You say thank you in Papiamento. Thank you very much. It's Masha Danki. Bitter. Masha Danki to you too. Curacao Fact File. You can fly directly to Curacao International Airport from Miami with Aruba Airlines and American. JetBlue flies there from JFK and KLM from Amsterdam. Renting a car on the island is recommended. Rental prices start at 45 US dollars. Watch out for some aggressive drivers though. There are two types of buses on the island, bus and convoy. Bus or BUS are 9 to 12 passenger vans which look a lot like taxis. Convoy are large metro style buses which run infrequently between major points in Willemstadt. International hotel chains represented on the island include Marriott and Renaissance, both on the outskirts of Willemstadt. Other top-end hotels include the Dreams Curacao Resort Spa and Casino, Mangrove Beach and Bayside Boutique. The local currency is the Netherlands Antillian Gilder. 100 US dollars will buy you 187 guilders. The climate is tropical semi-arid. It's hot year-round with daytime temperatures between 30 and 30 degrees Celsius, 86 to 91 degrees Fahrenheit. May to October is the most humid season. Chabad of Curacao is based in Willemstadt. Details at jewishcuracao.com. The community website is curacaojews.org. You're listening to the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at markdavidpod or mail us at markdavidpod at gmail.com. Oh, I should get out of my hammock now. (laughs) Uh, You know what? We do a lot of the European stuff. And when I think history, I always think of Prague and Budapest and London and so on. But there's a whole other history out there in the Caribbean. I just can't wait to go. So if you're listening and want to sponsor Mark and me to go out there, our email is markdavidpod at gmail.com social media all of our handles are mark david pod it would be great to hear from you 
Uh, it would also be fantastic if you would write a review, subscribe, and do any of those wonderful things that all podcast hosts ask their listeners to do. And you can catch up on the places we've been to, look at pictures of us having fun, and just interact with us, talk to us, say hello, tell us where you'd like us to go next. Or where you've been yourselves. Now it's time for a couple of thank yous. Thank you, Cindy and Ron. All that is left for us to do is to take you through the answers to the questions that we posed way back at the start of this podcast. Question number one. Take some rum from Havana, some Coca-Cola and a dash of lime. And which cocktail have you created? David? No clue. A Cuba Libre. I've learned something. Curacao became a major trading centre for the Dutch colonialists in the second half of the 17th century. So question two was, what was the name of the company that ran the country's interests on the island? The answer, the Dutch West India Company. Right, time to mix up some cocktails, one Cuba Libra and one Blue Curacao. And while Mark is mixing away, I will say farewell. Adios. The Jerusalem Post podcast travel edition is sponsored by worldjewishtravel.org, the number one platform for planning your Jewish cultural trips.